Well, today we're going to talk about prayer, and I want to start by talking about my story with prayer. Uh, maybe your story is similar to my story. When you start to learn how to pray, it's sometimes like the whole goal of the prayer is to figure out how to sound really good when you pray. And how many of you have ever wanted to sound good when you pray? You don't have to raise your hand. You can raise your hand. How about we do it? Yeah, you want to sound good. And you're like, Father God, Lord, bless this place in this moment. And you try to, and, and what I'd learned early on in prayer is that I tried to pray in such a way that I would get the, the, um, the sacred, uh, when someone, you know, the noise someone makes when they like what you say, right? They're like, mm, mm. you know that, you know, that was my goal in prayer. Uh, far be it from me trying to actually talk to God in that moment. Um, there was another period in my life where I was learning to pray prayers that were theologically accurate, uh, but like they were really like not connected to like God as if he was real. Uh, and also there was this another phase of praying as I grew in my Christian walk where um, I don't think I was praying to God. I was actually just telling whoever was in earshot of me what I was thinking about. Like, you kind of, have you ever experienced this kind of prayer? Maybe you've prayed this way yourself, where you're actually just telling people what you think about politics and the world and, you know, how everyone should be a better person. But you sort of realize you're not actually praying to God about anything. You're just telling people what you think, because it's very real, because they're in front of you and God is invisible. Um, and then, you know, I've, and there was yet another phase where I was learning to pray very general prayers about today, what was happening today, the details of my life, but I was very specific about what I wanted to have happen in my future. So like, you know, I was very specific about why I want to be like this kind of person, do this kind of thing, and that's all good, but there was not like a connection to like the here and the now. Um, a lot of things transformed for me when I uh, started attending a vineyard church which was uh, in 2004, my wife, then girlfriend, but we were close to being engaged, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we, uh, she dragged me to this church. She's like, we're going. I'm like, okay. And it was like one of those churches that had candles. You ever been to a church that has candles? It's like very cool. Like it was very cool and it was dim lighting. And um, everyone had great hair and the scarves, you know, like the, you know, when people would wear the scarves, that's not a thing anymore. But we went there and like, I just, my first experience with the vineyard in prayer, it felt like they weren't just saying words. It felt like a lot of them weren't just trying to pray in such a way that it made me, uh, like it made them look good. I'm sure there was some of that. Um, it was sort of like this back and forth process this flow between what they thought God might be saying to them, and then they would say things back to God, or sometimes they would say things to me. And I came to find out that the, in this model of prayer, that they were very effective, that when they prayed for people, they saw results. How many of you have prayed things and you haven't seen results? Like, or you just, we don't see any results to this. As we got involved in this church, the more we saw that there was effectiveness. When they would pray for someone who was sick, a higher percentage of the time than what I had experienced prior, they would get well. And I came to find out that there was like actually a process that I could learn to improve the way I prayed. That I could pray with effectiveness, that I could pray with power, and it would actually like make a difference in the world. It would make a difference in the lives of the people I was actually praying for. It would make a difference for me. And today is, is for anyone um, who wants to learn to pray with power. 
And maybe if you're more honest with yourself in your mind, you say, you know what, my prayers suck. They're just not effective. I'm not getting what I want from the prayer life. There's just to feel like it, I'm missing something in my prayer life. Now, if you've got to figure it out, great. Then show us all how to do it. But if you are seeking to pray with power, that's, that's what today is about. And in the past weeks, we've talked about power. We've talked about worldview. We've talked about spiritual gifts. But at the end of the day, what it all really comes down to is our ability to pray. Like, do we know how to communicate with God? And do we know how to open ourselves up to, be, to receive communication from God? And the best way, the best way that we can learn to pray is to follow the example of the ways Jesus prayed. Now, if you're familiar at all with the Bible and the way Jesus prayed, we, he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. But also we see examples throughout the life of Jesus that show us ways that he prayed the ways that he prayed with power. And I, the way I think, the, the reason I think we should pray the way Jesus prayed is because of this. Did you know that when Jesus went to pray for someone, he didn't have all the information. He didn't have all the details. When Jesus was a man, it meant that he was a fully a man. That he wasn't just in the body of a man, but had all the supernatural powers that we would imagine a God would have. He was God fully in the form of man. And the reason that he did this was to show us that he empathized and sympathized with our human experience. And so when he would have to go somewhere, he would have to rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal what he was supposed to do. He didn't just walk up into a situation and know your whole story. He had to ask God in that moment, God, what do you want me to see? God the Father, we believe God's a tree. He had to pay attention to what God was revealing to him in that moment. And so for Jesus, it became a matter of learning how to see what God was up to. And he talks about this in John chapter 5. If you want to look it up, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing, and then I join him in his work. I join him in his work. I only do what the Father's doing. And I think this is pretty genius for us because if Jesus, who was God, needed to rely on the Holy Spirit to know how to pray, what does that mean for you and me? It means that you and I have to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit to know how to pray. And we have to learn to practice praying. And we have to learn to engage in a way so that we grow our ability to recognize and see what God is doing. And what I've found is this is hard and this is vulnerable because it's much more safe to pray generally because we have an out. But we find generally in this church and the churches I've been in with the vineyard, the, when you pray generally, you don't necessarily see the specific things that you're hoping to see. So we must learn to pray effectively by praying specifically. So today I'm going to talk to you about the role of prayer, how God invites us to pray, and then I'm going to give you a really practical model. And then at the end, we're going to do something called a clinic. And it's not for everybody. It's for only the people that want to participate. And I'll explain what that means later. So it's going to be very clinical. Uh, but before I do, what if I pray? What if I pray? Just And, and then let's jump in. So God, Holy Spirit, um, we welcome you here. And we know that you're doing work in us. We know that you're doing work in this community. God, I, 
I hope you, I ask, I mean, I'm praying to you right now, and I ask, Lord, that you would um, help us to learn about the way you want us to pray. Teach us. Help me to speak as I should, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you have a handout. Um, if you want to use it, it'll be helpful. In Luke chapter 9, 1 through 6, we see something that's going on here. And uh, Marie just read it. And um, so basically, Jesus and the 12 disciples are headed towards Jerusalem. Uh, And as they're heading towards Jerusalem, everything's getting really amped up. And by the time he gets to Jerusalem, that's like when Jesus gets crucified and dies and then rises again. So this is the journey to his death. Okay, that's, that's what's going on here. And so what you see here is in the story, the, the backstory of this is Jesus, they're all headed towards Jerusalem. He sends out the 12 to different towns ahead of him. I don't know what he's doing in the back, but like he's in the back. They're all going out. They go out ahead. And he, as they go out to these towns ahead to prepare before he gets there, this is the things he instructs them to do. He gives them power and authority cure uh, diseases and drive out demons. He's like, don't take anything with you. If they welcome you in, they welcome you in. If they don't, they don't. And he says, you know, go to village, village, proclaim the good news and heal people as you go along. And then Jesus would come. And then that's where we see subsequent stories about Jesus doing ministry there. And so in this, we actually have a model or we have an understanding. It helps us to understand what our role in prayer is too. Because look at this. Look at this. Look at the first, uh, look at it in verse 1. It says that he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. And in the same way, Jesus gives us power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. Uh, The reason we say that we can do all of it is because the Bible says that we can do all of it. So what we're doing here is we're not jumping out on a limb and saying we're doing something that's not in the Bible. We're, doing what, we're trying to do what the Bible says. We're trying to be able to participate in working with God's power. Now, authority is like basically the, uh, we act as an ambassador to God of, on God's behalf. Imagine, maybe I've used this illustration before. Uh, my sister-in-law is a cop. I do not mess with her. Uh, and she's a detective. She's a detective, right? She's a, so I don't still don't mess with her. Um, and and uh, when she used to wear the badge and, and do do the street beat, um, if there was a car coming and she comes out into the street and puts her hand up, that car stops not because of her power, but because of her authority. Someone looks at that badge and they go, "This person is someone that I need to listen to." In the same way. Jesus, the Son of God, goes to human beings and he goes to his disciples and he says, all authority has been given to you. All authority has been given to you. So when you say stop, you have the authority to stop something that's happening. You can command things to change because you have the authority to do it. Most of us don't practice this in the West, but you do. This is what we believe as Christians, that Jesus gives you full authority to operate in that authority. But that's different than power. Authority is different than power. Power is the ability to complete the task. So not only do you have the right 
to pray for someone to be healed, God will oftentimes give you the power to actually see somebody healed. Now, the only way to actually see a person healed is you have to put yourself out there and risk and see what happens. Most of the time, that's where we fall short. We don't really want to take a risk because, well, what if it doesn't happen? And then I look like an idiot. Uh, and that's, that becomes the stumbling block for us. But we have been called. We see this. We see this. He did it with the disciples and he does it with us. We have been called uh, to do the will of God. We are to represent God, but we're also to represent the, we're also to demonstrate the power that God gives to us. Does that make sense? Okay. The second thing I need you to see here is in verse two. Look at verse two with me. In verse two, it says, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So two things are happening here, and this is very important. Proclamation and demonstration. Proclamation and demonstration. And you find this throughout the entire New Testament, that you don't have proclamation without demonstration, and sometimes you don't have demonstration, you never have demonstration without proclamation. What do I mean? Well, when he says to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, what he's saying is, in the Greek, what that means is he's calling them to communicate the good news of Jesus. He's calling them to go places and say, this is what the good news of Jesus is. Let's use our words and explain the good news of Jesus to people so they can hear it with their brains and they can understand the good news of Jesus. Those are words. Those, that's communication. But that is different than demonstration. He, they separate. There's communication and then there's demonstration. So it's like saying, hey, this is the kingdom of God. This is what it means. And this is what it means for you. This is good news for you. But just to show you that it's real, just to show you that there's power, let us show you that power. And so in every instance, you can look at this, there's always a demonstration and there's a proclamation. The demonstration would be the works of the kingdom where people are healed, where you see people come into life with Jesus, where people are, the chains of oppression are broken from somebody's life. And when you go out into the world and when you start to pray for people, there will be two parts to this. There will be proclamation, communication, and there will be demonstration. Many of us are very good at the communication piece. We talk about Jesus. We talk about uh, sacrificial atonement of sins. We're very versed in that. But many of us are not versed in the demonstration piece. And what we're trying to say to you through this series is it works better when you have both. It's not just the proclamation. It is the demonstration piece that God wants to work through you in that. Um, let me give you an illustration. I'm going to do a little crowd work. Uh, let's pick a career. Pick a career, like say a career out loud. Nope. <laughs> Teaching. What's that? Investment banking. No, I need one that I can talk about. Let's keep, keep going. <laughs> Doctor. Okay, yeah. Thank you. I couldn't... It, uh, career, career, a doctor, <laughs> cool. Uh, I actually have a doctor, believe it or not, but um, as my daughter likes to say, he's a doctor, but he can't help people. <laughs> Boo. Um, okay, so if you, if, if, so to, in order to be a doctor, what are the different types of education that you have to go through? Good, yeah, probably an undergrad, undergrad, med school. Um, so say, so there is actually a graduation day for med school, right? You walk through graduation day and they go, congratulations, 
you're a doctor. You've gone through med school, you've studied the bones of um, humans uh, in uh, some bone area of the med school. <laughs> uh, and like, you know, you've learned about uh, vertebrae and brains and, you know, organs and legs and stuff like that. You are now officially a doctor. Um, and, and you would, and the, you would be like, just okay with that because there's something still missing. There's something still missing about being a doctor. What is it? That's right. Residency. We should start a residency program here. Uh, yeah, there's residency and there's, and there's one last thing, being a doctor. Like you have to go be a doctor. Like you have to start meeting with patients and doing doctor stuff, you know, with organs and legs and brains or whatever they have, right? So, so in the same way, it's not enough just to get the degree. It's not enough just to know the things about being a doctor. You actually have to practice being a doctor. Um, you can learn uh, about scalpels forever, right? Scalpel, right? Isn't that in all the shows? Scalpel. Plickety-plick. Uh, you can do that forever, and you can learn and learn and learn and study and study and study, and even someone can come with their knighting ceremony and knight you and make you a doctor in theory, but you must practice being a doctor. You must be a resident uh, if you want something, if you actually want to be a doctor. In the same way, we can know a lot about God, and we can effectively communicate that with our words. That is not enough in being a Christian. There's a demonstration that is necessary, and that demonstration has been democratized to you and to me, to all of us. I get to play. You get to play. The Spirit of God wants to put power on you as you pray for people, and that stuff might happen when you pray for them, even if you don't know if anything's going to happen. That is generally what happens to me. I don't know. I'm not sure. And then something happens, and you're like, wow, it doesn't rely on me. It relies on God's power working through me. So anyway, uh, I want to say something about this. It says, uh, you know, he says, don't take a, a staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no sacks of bread, uh, no extra shirt or anything like that. Uh, but when you come, stay in that one house. And this one, if the people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Uh, this is important. Um, what he's saying here is, look, you're not going into town and forcing yourself and your ideas on people that don't want to hear them. What you're doing is you're going and you're looking and you're paying attention to see where God is working and you're joining him in his work. There have been lots of times where I wonder, hey, when I'm working with somebody, when I'm working with a group of people, Lord, are you in this? Are they listening or am I just chasing? Am I chasing somebody? Am I chasing a person or an idea? And they're just not wanting to listen, but I keep trying to chase them. Uh, that is not something we have to do. Uh, you are free in the power and the authority that God gives you to go into relationships and into places and begin to pay attention to what God's doing. You don't have to force yourself onto somebody who's not willing to listen to you. You're looking for those who God is calling or God wants to do something with. Uh, now, there might be times where you have to press in, where you may feel led to go to someone and say, hey, listen, I see that you have a medical condition. Can I pray for you? Uh, but you're asking. And what if they say no? They're like, no, uh, no way. Stay away from me. 
this would be one of those moments where you go, okay, I can move on. Or what if they said, but if in the, on the flip, if they said yes, that'd be potentially an opportunity for you to pray for someone for healing. But just keep that in mind, that as we go and we pray and we operate in the power and the authority that God gives us, you are not required to do things and convince people and push people in ways that they don't want to be pushed. Now, if you're in relationship and they're moving towards you, then that's different. Am I making sense here? This should relieve you. You don't need to go out from here and go into the streets and start being a bad testimony to Jesus. You're looking for the people who God's leading towards you, okay? Uh, and then the last thing here is, you know, basically we get the sense that he has apprenticed these folks. Uh, Jesus used kind of a show-and-tell model for the last three years to supervise, and he supervised them. And uh, uh, I don't know, um, you know, how much you know about apprenticing, but basically uh, in the model of Jesus, it was I do, you watch, and then it's I do, you help, then it's you do, I help, then it's you do, I watch, and then it's you do, someone else watches. And you see this all throughout the life of Jesus. You see this all throughout the, uh, the ministry of the New Testament. What you're doing is you're doing it and you're bringing people along. And then slowly you're letting them do it. And then you're backing away uh, and you're allowing them to do it. And that's what we hope to do with some of you in the coming months as we kind of develop leaders. Uh, we are going to look for opportunities. We're going to show you here's how we do it. Now let's, let's have you do it. And we'll have a conversation about that and we'll help you to grow. So, with that being said, is everyone ready to learn the prayer model? Yep? All right, cool. All right, cool. Where are we at on time? I've got to hurry up. So, here, um, here's the... Uh, here, let's hurry up and pray. Um, what I'm going to show you is something that we learned a while back, and it's a five-step prayer model. Uh, and we're not sure... I can't connect it to the set of verses we just read, but I can connect it that they're, they're, throughout the life of Jesus, this is the pattern. So this is sort of a systematic theology moment here, where throughout the life of Jesus, this is how he generally prayed with people. And then if you look into the New Testament, the time after Jesus, this is generally how the disciples prayed. And this is a model that many of us who are on leadership team here have learned to pray, and it has helped us to become more effective. And so it's not a methodology at all. These are principles that can help you to pray with more effectiveness. It's relational. What you're doing is you're trying to relate to God's Spirit, and you're trying to relate to the other person. And it's a process that begins and ends with God's mercy, and it really is a focus on relationship. And so this five-step procedure can be used anywhere, at any time, with anybody, at a church service, at a community group. I think you do this, I think you guys use this at your, when you pray for each other at the community group. Um, and... Um, it can be used anywhere. It can be used on airplanes. It can be used, uh, you know, uh, at weddings or birthdays or Easter, whenever you want. So, you, uh, and so I'm going to teach it to you now. And then at the end, we're going to give you an opportunity for some of you to try it out. So step one, if you're taking notes and you have a pen, step one is the interview. The interview. Now, in the interview, what you want to do is you want to introduce yourself. You want to say, hi, my name is... Chris, and you want to ask them one simple question. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Or where does it hurt? Now, if you're seeing someone that hasn't asked for prayer, you would change that. You would say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And when you're asking someone, how can I pray for you? This is not a medical interview because most of you don't know what you would do with that information if you got it. 
clearly I would not. Um, it, is, it is also, I need, you to, I need you to make sure you hear this, this is not a counseling session. There's lots of great places to get counseling. During a five-step prayer model is not the time. Now, God may choose to counsel them through you, but we'll get to that in a minute. But this is not a time for you, for them to, to go through the full hour and lay on the couch and tell you what meds they need at the end of the conversation. This is an interview to say, where does it hurt? Tell me where it hurts. How can I pray for you? Um, and, um, and so on. And basically, when they start to talk, when you ask, how can I pray for you? Where does it hurt? What you do, and you've seen me do this with you, if I prayed for you, and you've seen Patrick and Kate and uh, Nikki do this as well. As soon as I ask, how can I pray for you? And you start talking, what do I do? I start listening on two levels. What are the two levels? I'm listening to your words, because it would be rude and inhumane to not listen to the words that you're saying. If you're saying, my head hurts, I'm like, so how about that knee? And you're like, no, uh, you know, that's not what we do. We're listening to the, on the natural level, the empirical level. You say words, I pay attention. I try my best to make eye contact, and I pay attention to what you're saying. But, and I'm listening to the request that you're making about how I can pray for you. And then on the supernatural level, the second way, the supernatural level, I'm doing something else. I'm simultaneously listening to what God may be saying to me about you and your situation. And this happens, this has happened all the time. And if I pray for some of you here, you know that's happening. I'm with you, but there's a far off look because I'm, because I'm not that good at controlling my eyesight, but I'm listening. Spirit of God, what do you, what, you know, did my eyes go across when I did that? I'm like, uh, so, um, you know, and it's in a very naturally supernatural way. I'm Holy Spirit, what are you giving to me to give to this person? Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this moment? Because what we discover, and we'll talk about it in a minute, is that you may very well be coming to me to have me pray for you about one thing, but the Holy Spirit is about to do something else. So we're paying at the natural, paying attention at the natural level, but we're also starting to engage with the Holy Spirit. So it's almost two conversations at once. That is the interview. Does that make sense, right? Okay, good. Step two, the diagnosis. And while you're, this is still part of the interview process technically. So while you're talking and towards the end of you talking and I'm listening on the supernatural level, I'm asking this question, why does this person have this condition? Why do you have this condition? Why is this person? I'm not asking them, why do you have this condition? I'm asking God, God, why does this person have this condition? And there might be a variety of reasons that a person has a condition. Uh, for one, it, it, it could be a disease, like natural causation. It could just be natural. You just might have the disease or the sickness or the person is sick or they had an accident or something. But there's other things that can be at play here. Another reason could be is, is because of sin because the person has committed sin or because sin has been committed against the person. That can actually cause something in our bodies. There's a lot, of, there's a lot behind that. Another reason or another thing that could be causing something is emotional hurt. Oftentimes, something can happen in our bodies that's actually triggered by, uh, the, you know, that's triggered by our emotions. It can trigger physical symptoms. Um, sometimes there's, you've asked me to pray for you about this, but 
Also, if I'm like, Lord, you know, is there something else going on here? There's relationship problems that emerge. And another thing is, and, and this is the one you, uh, you may be least familiar with, sometimes there is a demonic influence over a person's life. And we don't necessarily like to talk about that one because demons, they only make sense uh, when the movies come out during the Halloween season. Um, we definitely believe in them then. Um, uh, all my soul cycle instructors are very spiritual until you talk about Jesus. Uh, and so, like, there's a very weird thing when it comes to talking about the demonic. But the Bible is very clear that there's another team on the field. That there's another team on the field that seeks to hurt you and destroy you and steal you away from the good things that God has for you. Thank God, those powers and all of the things we don't understand about them are under our authority and under our power because of the power that Jesus has given to us and the authority that Jesus has given to us. And so uh, we don't want to exclude the fact that there could be some sort of demonic influence happening. And so in this part, in the diagnosis, you know, we're asking, why does this person have this condition? This is where it kind of gets funky. We have to depend on the Spirit. We don't want to be praying for somebody in one area when something else is happening in another area. And you need to remember that the goal of this is for the person to experience the depths of God's love. That it, it, you want them to find freedom and healing in this moment. And so what you do is as you're listening, you're doing your best to listen. You're asked the Holy Spirit to confirm if the person's analysis of the situation is accurate or if there's something else that he wants to do. Understand that? I might want to repeat that. Like, Holy Spirit, is this person's analysis of their condition, is that, is that really what we're supposed to work on or is there something else? And when you leave space for that and you practice this enough, I'm talking like a lot. If you start to practice this a lot, you will start to improve and you will start to see things in your mind's eye. Scriptures will come to your mind and there will be all these other moments where you're like, ooh, there's something else happening besides just the thing that you wanted to pray for. And um, by the way, I just need to be honest with you. Sometimes when we pray in this way, sometimes I get nothing. I go, oh, I got nothing. <laughs> and that's okay. I just want to say, you don't need to deliver on time every time in, in, at this level. Sometimes you go, well, I don't, I don't really have anything. You don't say that to the person. You're not, don't like discourage them, uh, at least not yet. Um, but if you're not feeling like, don't make it up. Please, please don't make up things on behalf of God that aren't there. Um, what you want to do is say, well, you know, I'm not getting a sense, but I'd still like to pray for you about what you brought up. Um, but uh, but uh, toward, back to the other part of this, many of you, I have prayed for you. You came to me with a specific thing that you asked me to pray for. And as I, and I was pausing. So I go, let's pray. And I put a hand on your shoulder. And then like there's this, re you know, the really long pause. You know how when I pray, there's like a really long pause or I never get to anything. And when some of you have been prayed for up here, you notice how we just don't launch into all the things. We don't go, Father God, to, there's these pauses. And sometimes it's long, sometimes it's short, but in those pauses, in those moments, that's what I'm doing. I'm listening. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing here? And sometimes when you've come and I've prayed for you, or Nikki's prayed for you, some of the other leaders have prayed for you, you came with the one thing, and then like three minutes later, I am praying about something that you, I had no business knowing about you, or you're like, that's interesting. 
Did he talk to uh, my significant other? Did he call my mom? No, I didn't. What I'm doing is I'm hearing from God, and I've been practicing that for a while. And then sometimes God uses that to direct the prayer exactly where it needs to go. And this is a way to improve our effectiveness in prayer because sometimes the thing that people come to you and ask for prayer for isn't the thing that God wants to do in the moment. And so it's not about you. It's not about you getting it done and feeling good. And did I say it pretty enough? God, what are you doing in this moment? And when we shift that, the pressure goes back up onto him to reveal to us what he's doing. Am I clear? Are we clear on this? Good. So that is key. Three, prayer selection. Prayer selection. What kind of prayer is needed to help this person? Now, at this stage, I'm asking, you know, God, what's going to help this person? Lord, what do you want to heal right now? We can assume that God wants to bring a healing touch to somebody uh, in, in some way, um, but we also, we don't understand this, uh, and we'll, we can talk about it later if you want to. He may not heal somebody the way they wanted to be healed. Uh, he may not intend to heal them the way he or she wanted to be healed. And this is key. I need you to hear this. When you're praying for someone, when you are praying for someone, we want to agree with God in our prayers rather than expect God to agree with us on what we want to see happen. You see the difference? We're saying, God, you know, we agree with what we see you doing here. You see how I'm not the center of it? God and what we think God's doing is the center of it versus I've decided that this is the thing and we're going to name it and we're going to claim it and we want Jesus to come in and do his thing because we've said it. And as long as we say, we don't actually believe that, at least here. We know that that's a very popular theology. I had an old uh, pastor that used to talk about name it and claim it. He called it blab it and grab it. And uh, I always thought that was funny. I thought it would be funnier here, but today it is not. But that's really what we're doing. We're saying, this is what we, you know, and we don't make pronouncements. We're not like, you are, we don't say, you are healed, unless, we, unless God has told us to make that pronouncement. And guys, you know, we've seen people experience God's power in healing for certain conditions. And then you pray for the same, condi- the exact same condition in the same way, shut it. Uh, now, now I'm going to be thinking about it. But we've prayed for people for the exact same conditions, and they are not healed. How do I make sense of that? And how does that feel for the person that doesn't get healed? I can't explain that. I can't explain how the Spirit of God chooses or intends to do something for one person, but not another. But we do know this, at the end of all of this, when Jesus comes back, he will rule and reign, and every tear will be dried from our eyes, and every piece of pain will be removed. So even if it doesn't happen now, it will eventually happen later. That's what we know. That is what our hope is in. And so our goal is to participate in bringing God's kingdom where we can see it happening and joining up with it, even though that may mean We don't know why it happens for some people and not for others. Uh, The last thing also you want to do is say that they don't have enough faith. Uh, Please don't do that, or we will forbid you from praying for people here. Uh, This is not about faith levels. Um, This is about what God wants to do. So don't do that. If you've done that, it's okay. 
uh, don't tell me, and we'll just pretend like you never did it. But don't do that anymore. Like, this is not about, like, well, you, well, you didn't get healed. Oh, oh, well, you didn't have enough faith. Uh, don't do that. Please do not do that. All right, so anyway, um, so you, you want to agree with God's prayers, uh, but you don't want to just say what you want to say and make God have it. And so, um, and also in the prayer selection, you want to pray with clarity and be specific. You don't want to pray timidly. Uh, you, uh, you don't want to, you know, as if God may not want to do something, uh, or we want to protect our reputation in case God doesn't do something. Uh, and we want to pray with confidence, but without arrogance. And we want to pray with humility, but without apology. And we want to be praying led by the Spirit. And we want to pray with the confidence that Jesus spoke about in Mark eleven twenty four. And I want to offer you two categories in when you go to pray for someone. If you've done the pausing and, and the waiting, there's two categories. There are prayers directed to God that you can pray on behalf of the person when you're praying for them. And there are words received from God. You see the difference? One's incoming to you and you're saying those words to the person to encourage them. And other times you're praying to God for that person. Those are generally the two ways that this will happen. Prayers of intercession. God, we ask you to do something in this moment for this person in this condition. And sometimes God wants to uh, speak through you to the person. If I have prayed for you or someone on our leadership team has prayed for you, all of a sudden they're not preaching at you and they're not asking God for anything, but they're talking to you. And what they're doing to the best of their ability, they're not perfect, they're imperfect at it. What they're doing is they're trying to pay attention to the things that God is saying to them to give to you as an encouragement. And sometimes it becomes a pronouncement. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And the, uh, or it's a, some sort of uh, different kind of pronouncement where we say, I sense that the Lord has healed you. Or prayers of agreement uh, that something has happened in a person's life. So that, that is how you pray. You're going to either pray to God for somebody or you're going to pray a prayer of pronouncement uh, or what you sense God giving you words, all right? And then lastly, lastly, uh, there is the prayer. Oh, no, two more. <laughs> Number four, prayer engagement, uh, which is how effective are your prayers right now? And in that moment, you're going to say, you know, you're going to keep your eyes open and you're going to watch for any kind of effect. Like, is there something feminological? There's some sort of signs of warmth, maybe a tingling in your hands or you're shaking. You're going to ask questions like if God is doing something. Like, what do you sense God doing? And that's really normal. Like, you can't mess up a flow. There's no, like, flow. There's no, like, mood. It's not a mood lighting with mood rings, what you want to do is you want to, you know, so what do you sense God doing? Sometimes a person will be crying and I am really blunt. I will be like, oh, so tell, tell me what's going on or why are you crying? Uh, and the person will explain what they think is happening. And that's what you want to do. You want to kind of gauge what's happening. Sometimes a person will feel like we've prayed for people and they'll feel like, they'll give me a percentage. I feel in my foot, I feel 50% better. And we go, okay. And then we go, well, let's press in again. And so we start to pray again. We say, God, we ask, we don't do anything magical. We don't hit people. We don't scream. Um, you know, most of us here don't speak in tongues, uh, but we just pray again. And then we ask, how's it feel now? And they go, well, now it feels 75% better. So there's something about multiple engagement in the prayer thing. And uh, for the record, Jesus did that too. He, 
He prayed for people multiple times before they were healed. So, um, but you're going to engage with the person to see what God's doing. That's a process. Um, and here's when you stop praying. Stop praying when you think it's over. Stop praying when the Spirit tells you it's over. Number three, stop praying if you've run out of things to pray. And then lastly, you can stop praying when it's going nowhere. It's going nowhere. And you, what you want to do at that point is you want to just remove your hands and you want to talk to them and ask them, how, how, how did that go for you? <laughs> or whatever you want to say there. Um, and then here's number five, uh, post-prayer direction. What should this person do now? What should this person do now? What, the, what should this person do now to remain healed? Or what should this person do if they were not healed or they did not experience freedom from their condition? So if the person was healed or experienced a significant breakthrough in some area, always at the end, encourage them to continue to have someone pray for them, to pray about the issue. Um, if necessary, tell the person to stop sinning. Not generally. If it's something specific that was shared, like, like I'm doing this thing and I know I'm not supposed to do it. And you, at the end of that, in a very compassionate and gracious way, you say, you know, I just want to encourage you to stop doing that. And we see this. Jesus did this multiple times. Jesus, I mean, the scriptures don't give us the indicate, don't indicate us in detail what the sin was. But oftentimes after he, there's a few key examples, he would pray for someone and he goes, just stop sinning because there was something specific that they were doing that was, uh, that was affecting their condition. So you might have to tell them to stop sinning. Encourage the person to read the scriptures, to get involved in a community group. Showing up to church and being experiencing uh, worship in the way that we do is important. It's staying active in a local church. And then as specifically, if it's a healing of the physical body uh, and it's been a chronic condition, encourage them to go see a doctor. Now, Churches, for some reason, I don't know what happened. Like some reason, like people think we're anti-science or we're anti, uh, we're anti-medicine. Not at this church. At the Vineyard, we very much say, like, if you have a headache, take some ibuprofen, if if that's safe for you. Uh, and if you have a broken leg, go to the doctor and get that went to med school and get the leg fixed. Put it, you know, get a cast, figure it out, go to rehab so you can get your stuff figured out. We very much believe in therapy, especially Christian counseling. We think all those things are important. The scientific world has made our world a better place. We are not against that. And so um, don't, don't, be, don't be afraid to encourage someone to say, well, you know what, we've been praying for your cancer. It's going to be hard for me to tell uh, as a person that went to seminary to know if your cancer has been healed. So why don't you, if you feel like this is important, go see a doctor. Go get some tests. See what happens. Encourage people to go see a doctor. And this is more fun this way. Because when we've encouraged people to go see a doctor and their condition was actually healed, it's more fun when they get the note from the doctor that says, we can't explain this because we can't explain it. We don't know what happened. It was there and now it's not there. It was a problem and now it's not a problem. It's more fun when that happens. And so we encourage you to do that. So don't shy away from science. Don't shy away from the medical field. So um, now here's what you do if the person has not been healed. Uh, don't tell them it's not their faith levels, uh, but tell them that God loves them. Encourage them. Encourage them to continue to seek prayer. And then if you feel personally led, say that you'll pray for them. But if you're not going to pray for them, don't tell them that. Does that make sense? Are we all clear? So that is the way that Jesus, there, you can look through this and I can show you all the references later. We just don't have time. But that is the way often that Jesus 
uh, prayed for people and saw miracles in his ministry. And it was an interplay between him and the Father. And this is a great way for you to start practicing praying for people. It's a model that's better than what you than than other models I've seen. You may have something better. You should use that. But this is this can be helpful for you as you go out into the world and you say, God, I want to see you work in power in my world. But how do I do it? This is a way to do it. Are we clear? All right, great, cool. Why don't we all stand? Here's what I want to do. We're going to sing one final song, uh, but I'm going to I want to. Um, I want to commission and empower people to uh, pray with authority and power, but I also want to give some people an opportunity to uh, do two things, two categories. Uh, We're not going to do this from our chairs. You're going to have to come out from your chairs. Um, I was advised by my wife that what I did last week was weird, and so we're not going to do that version again. Where you just turn to a neighbor, she's like, come on, don't do that. And I'm like, you know what, well well taken. Now let's go watch the Super Bowl. Uh, And then we went... Then we watched the Super Bowl, and the friends we were with confirmed that it was also the weirdest part. So I was like, dang. And I like sat there quietly, and then I got excited for the halftime show, which was great. Um, anyway, okay, so back on track. So we're, we're going to practice. We're going to practice praying if you want to. Uh, and if you don't want to, you can just watch and observe. And I don't know what's going to happen now, but it's a lot more fun if we practice. And we all know each other. We're all basically best friends, so let's just do it together. So here's what I want to do. I need two groups of people. Uh, I need people that would be willing to be prayed for. And then I need a second group of people, people that are willing to try praying for somebody. And we'll use this model. And what I'm going to do is guide us through the steps uh, while we do it. And so um, uh, let's, let's have the people who are willing to be prayed for. Can we have you come forward? And, can, and would you be willing to sign a, uh, an NDA and uh, a disclosure that we don't know what the people are going to do? To, and they might mess up, but it's okay. And you're going to say, hey, either way, and you're going to give them a hug. Can we agree to that if you feel comfortable with hugs? Um, yeah, can we agree to that, that, like, that like, if you're going to be our uh, uh, doctor school uh, cadavers? Like, <laughs> and there's nothing magical about this. Like, let's just have some fun with it. So if you're willing, can I get at least five volunteers uh, to come forward. So is that, you got one? All right, cool. Or more. So if you want to volunteer, can you make your way forward? We got one. Is that it? Anyone else? All right, you got two. Do we have any other volunteers? All right, cool. Can you come up right in the front? Like very much in the front? All right, cool. Thank you. Can we, can we have you come like right up? For, there we go. There it is. There you go. Got it. You want another one? Is there anyone else that would, uh, that is actually would like someone to pray for them anyway? Is there anyone that would like to make their way up? Is there anyone that's experienced? We got one over here. Is there anyone over on this side? This side is heavy involvement. This is less involvement on this side. I don't know what. All right, they're going to view the prayers. Okay. All right. Cool. So we have at least five volunteers. At least we have like at least a thousand, maybe five volunteers up here, who are willing to pray for. Thank you. I appreciate this. So now what we need are five people, or five to ten people, can be paired up to be willing to practice this on these folks, and you can't leave them hanging. So can I get some volunteers to come and try to practice praying? Can we get some practice? All right, cool. Uh, let's try to do two per person or, and, until we, yeah. So you pick one. Can we get some other volunteers? We got one over here. Uh, can we get some other volunteers? Good, 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 good. All right, um, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Uh, we need everyone to move forward. Two big steps. Two big steps. All right. So kind of gather around. Uh, does anyone else want it? Now that you've seen that we have some experienced prayers here and some people that are doing it for the first time, is there anyone else that would want to watch somebody do it? Kind of like you do, I watch. Is there anyone else that would want to see this as they do it? Okay. 
Uh, this is your last chance. You will never get to pray for someone again. <laughs> All right, cool. That's great. All right, cool. All right, awesome. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to sing a song in just a second, but like, okay, so gather around the person you want to pray for. All right, so maybe two per person. Gather around them. Just pick one. It's not that many. All right, who's, yeah, you got this. Okay, so, all right. Um, we, it looks like we're, are we paired up in a way where we have experience? Okay, cool. So now let's start the first step. So Holy Spirit, uh, no, no, not, that's not step one. What's step one? Right now, ask the person, how can I pray for you? All right, do that right now. Now, as you're watching this and you're like, why did I come today? Here's why. You, um, look how normal this is. Look, there's not hooting and hollering. There's not weirdness. They're simply explaining what's happening. It's not super complicated. All right, now I'm going to... Can we move to the next? Okay, so good, good. And what they and as you can see, all the people who are being, uh, who are praying for people, they were listening on, perfectly listening on two levels: the supernatural and the empirical. Right now, now if you're ready, why don't you go ahead and begin to pray for the person? Go ahead and pray, and then uh, the parts I'm not going to interrupt are going to be like ask effectiveness, how's it going, and then at the end give them post instructions. So. Let's begin that process. For the rest of us, continue to watch with your eyes. Um, and if there's something else that I can pray for, I'm going to be here for this song. And for the rest of us, the rest of us, let's worship one more time together.